0: This episode of Off Air with Jane and Fee is brought to you by British Heart Foundation. British Heart Foundation have estimated that up to 7.6 million people are living with heart and circulatory diseases in the UK. And there is something we can all do to help fund life-saving research. And don't worry, Fee, we don't all need to run marathons to fundraise
1: today. Over 50% of their research is funded by gifts in wills. Now, these are really vital in supporting life-saving research.
0: It's such a remarkably positive thing we can all do and definitely something to consider if you are writing your will or thinking of updating it. With a simple act, you can support future scientific breakthroughs that could help save and improve millions of lives. British Heart Foundation offers a free will
1: guide and free will writing services too, helping to make the process as easy as possible.
0: To download your free will guide today and help British Heart Foundation fund life-saving research, search BHF wills. (laughs)
1: Welcome to Off Air once again from the Cheltenham Literature Festival. Final time, though, Fee. We'll be back in our normal place tomorrow.
0: So (laughs) we've had quite a funny time this afternoon because we've been broadcasting live uh, from the Waterstones tent uh, right at the heart of the festival kind of uh, campus. Uh, But there's something about us, Jane, where we obviously don't look like we are incredibly important live broadcasters. We look very much like we're available if you need directions to toilet facilities, yes. if you'd well, like to know where the authors are, let's be honest. if you'd like to know what time Michael Rosen's session starts. We look like a help desk. We do. Not that there's anything wrong with that by the way. No, no, and that's absolutely fine, but we're just an unhelp desk, aren't we? Because we're the helpless desk. Yeah, we don't have the answers to all of those questions no. and but we've been terribly
1: polite about it, I think. We? Well we have. Um, and uh, but we also at the same time faintly irritated because <laughs> as my colleague indicates there, we obviously expect people to uh, look on admiringly.
0: Yes, we're <laughs> doing a very, very intricate political interview about Sakir Starmer's speech defining the Labour party for the next decade, exactly. but yes, Michael Rosen starts at 3.30, he's over <laughs> in the Forum. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh no. look,
1: uh, So we, had a, we were talking last night about that kind of pre-hotel room tingle yeah. that you get before you check in. And if you follow us on the Instas, that's Jane and Fee, if you're on Instagram, there's lots of very cosy content there, nothing to be worried about, nothing that will shock your world or do any harm to anybody. Uh, but we did post some images, the view from our rooms, and you got the fire escape. Fire escape and car park. Yeah, and I got the air conditioning unit. And uh, it did make a fairly persistent noise oh did it hum no it hummed all night i had the window open because i cannot bear the heat in hotels and it was actually quite warm because we're having this weird weather in britain at the moment so yeah it was a a difficult night and this morning and there was a comment on the instagram um i'm sorry i can't remember the name of the person but they said there's always rodents around aircon units i I
0: rather hope that you hadn't seen that Uh, i didn't see
1: it until this morning
0: why would there be rodents around an
1: aircon unit throw that out there somebody will know
0: yeah. Well, they're I'd attracted by the warmth, are they? Or the hot air? What Is it? it? Okay. So they like to just kind of curl yeah. up at the base of an aircon unit. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I felt quite comforted. I mean, it's always it's always good to see a fire escape. I mean, let's not be silly oh, yeah, about no, that. Absolutely, yeah. And I always imagine that um, rats probably they don't bother to go all the way up her series of steps, do they? So I thought it might be all right. Well, I used to spin the line at home that mice can't climb stairs. Very good. There was no need to worry because yeah. their legs were so little. We but look, we had a lovely night. So all of us had a very nice night's sleep at the hotel in Cheltenham. Well, I had that experience where I was woken up by the sound of my own snoring, oh. which I do think
1: is that it's just a local How point. do you know that that's what's woken you up? Because in a very strange moment of, of human experience, I came to just with the with the sound
0: of Michael <coughs> the last <coughs> yes <laughs> really, really horrible well i mean imagine how it was for the person sleeping on the other side of the wall jane
1: <laughs> and the 10 people yeah. I had in the bed. because obviously we are showbiz and uh, it's rock and roll. Listen it's very to, rock you and know, roll. I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm gonna get up to tonight or indeed I can't remember what I got up to last night. Although I seem to remember we both had beef bourguignon and I went to bed at about half nine.
0: Well, I had to go and walk it off. Oh, did I you? had to go for quite a substantial walk around Cheltenham late at night because I don't often have a beef bourguignon on a Monday evening with a pile of mash underneath. It, was, it was very lovely. It was rather nice, wasn't it? Was it very actually? nice It indeed. really hit
1: the spot that meal.
0: Yeah. Sometimes things don't, but that did. I had that uh, thing where people above me were walking mm. you know they got into their room at about 10:30, yeah. mm. uh, and they were uh, obviously getting ready for bed and you kind of think gosh how where are you going in your room for, for there just to be so many pad, pad, pad around. and you kind of track them don't you in your head you think okay well you've been to the bathroom mm. and then you've come back and you've hung up your clothes and then you've probably forgotten your charger so you've gone to your suitcase and you've got yeah. that back what else?
1: what else are you doing up there who knows well yeah, yeah. I mean I think that? Cheltenham is
0: a place for a mini-break, isn't it? It's a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. I think it would be uh, an evocative place to spend a midweek evening, Jane. <laughs> yes, indeed. Oh,
1: this is lovely. We're getting a cake, but I don't know why. Why
0: have we got a cake, Kate? Oh, yes, it's the first birthday of our Times radio show oh, and off-air podcast. A, we just overheard this fantastic uh, little aside from Rosie, our producer, who just said, put a candle in it, but don't light it. We're thinking, in what?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the young people have these exchanges and we don't always know no. what they're talking about. No. Well, you've splashed out here. <laughs> I imagine this must have cost getting on for pound eighty. So thank you very much indeed. That's absolutely... We are blown away.
0: That is lovely. Well, we can eat that on the train on the way home because we well, were worried a bit that... We well, I'm not be worried because I, I had the good sense to get myself a fajita wrap. Yeah, which you're gonna eat all by yourself. I am, yeah. And the rest of the team are just now well, we're gonna eat the cake now, so we'll be fine. That's very thoughtful. That's and actually very lovely. lovely. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So happy birthday to us. And if you've been with us from the start at Times Radio, then thank you very much indeed for bearing with us. I think we had a little bit of a rocky start actually. We didn't quite we didn't quite uh, get into the right rhythm. No. Because we changed from doing a weekly podcast to doing a daily podcast. So thank you for bearing with us. No, don't thank me.
1: Oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm being paid as well. Uh, no, I totally agree, and I think I am, like you, very grateful to those people who've stuck with Off Air and as we've modged
0: long. Now, we've got two guests today, haven't we? Yes, yeah, so we ought to crack on. We probably do, but you've got some questions oh, so, you um, to read out. So, explain this. Times Radio and The Times and Sunday Times are uh, all. Sp- co-sponsors of the Cheltenham Literature Festival. So there is a tent here somewhere on site uh, where you can go and find out a little bit more about the Times and about Times Radio and they have these cards in there uh, where they've been asking people to just write a question on them for Times Radio presenters Mm because there have been quite a few uh, including us uh, who've done their programmes live from here this year. Uh, So there have been all manner of different types of people, different ages of people who have entered the tent and you've got a little pile of the questions there and I've got a little pile of the questions and before we go to our first interview which will be with the opera singer and now uh, artist and portraiture kind of collator curator peter brathwaite uh, we'll do some of these and then we'll do some more and then it's dom jolly so you've got an absolutely packed podcast today uh, right this is my first one to you what do you do what do i do i talk okay very good do you want to do one what football team do you support? Well, I mean, I support football teams through a process of osmosis, Jane. And I don't like to claim that I support Liverpool, but my son supports Liverpool. And so through the prism mm. of uh, the teenager and I mean, what a team to pick. Oh, so he's a late teenager now, but uh, throughout his uh, early childhood and then early teenage years, what a team uh, to be jogging alongside because they have had a superb decade. I'm a Liverpool supporter, and you're a dyed in the wool. Well, uh, mm, I t-
1: well I, I am, because you can't fight it off. I've tried. You cannot leave it. I've tried to leave it behind, because I think there's quite a lot wrong with men's football, I'm going to say it. And I will say, occasionally, as a, a scouser, I don't know if I've ever mentioned that, I get a bit annoyed by how much football hangs over the city in a way that I don't think is altogether healthy. Just a bit... Sometimes I just think it's just too much. OK,
0: um, but... but- is that a hangover from kind of darker times in, in uh, Liverpool FC's history? It's not just Liverpool because it's Everton as yeah. well. And so, um, but haven't you gone on that journey with Liverpool over the last decade? I mean, you know, they've and got. A was, lot, I mean, yeah. I, listen. Oh, trophies I was in
1: Istanbul, <laughs> uh, which sometimes I, I forget that I was. I mean, that incredible game where they were three 0 down at half time and then won <laughs> well, the European Cup. I mean, that was phenomenal. You have been at most world events, Jane. It's true, I have. <laughs> not the no I wasn't at the um Battle of Hastings I know some people think I was but I, I really wasn't <laughs>
0: so but core, I was in answer um, to to the lovely
1: kids question. So what is my fa- My favourite is still Liverpool because, yeah. like I say, you can't, it's just there and
0: there's nothing you can do about it. Right, your question? Well, just tiny subsequent question. Because women's football has really come of age uh, in our lifetime, do you feel that you're allowed to choose a different team to support as a women's No, you see, team? that would,
1: that's where I'm completely hypocritical and
0: inconsistent. No. Okay, interesting. No. Because I'd right. be quite happy to support Arsenal. Oh, well, I wouldn't. Uh, what's your favourite book? My favourite book of all time. Stuart, uh, you know, I'm a terrible, uh, terrible tart when it comes to favourite books because quite often it's the book that I've read last, which I just fall in love with. Well, and we haven't got much time, so what was it? it? And all of that kind of stuff. Uh, so I was, I really, really uh, loved... Uh, oh, gosh, you go first, and I'm just going to uh, gonna have to recalibrate in my head. OK. Uh, well, the book
1: I most enjoyed recently was Jonathan Coe's Bourneville, and that has put me on a Jonathan Coe journey, so I've just bought another book of his called The Rotter's Club. And I do think they're great books if anyone's interested in kind of basically the story of my life. So growing up in the 70s and 80s and then morphing into the 21st century. Um, it's and Has someone
0: written a biography about you? They should
1: have done. But it's about the ju- you know the years that I have lived through and the impact that historic and national events have had on my life. Okay, But not on my life because it's not... <laughs> book. It's not about me. It's about a man called... Um, what's his name? Um,
0: Trotter. Is it Trotter? Hang I've got it in my bag. And he bought it today. Okay. Well, I'll just say a couple of things while Jane's looking <laughs> in her bag, which... Let's face it, could, We could be some time, everybody. <laughs> oh, actually, and yeah. just be careful of the wrap because you don't want that to <laughs> explode in your bag. I'm not mopping that up for you. Uh, so I would say the the most recent book that I have enjoyed the most is uh, Hitler, Stalin, Mum and Dad, which is Daniel Finkel- oh, yeah. Finkelstein's uh, book about his family history, which is just the most. Uh, it's the most wonderful read and just so. I must have put it in my other bag. As well. Yeah. Um, and I did really, and I know that you hate me for this, but I really did enjoy Valerie Perrin's Fresh no, no, no. Water of Flowers, By the way, was our
1: A great showbiz book, and he's coming our way on Thursday. No less a person than Michael Ball, who I think we should just call The Ball. He's coming on. We did promise him, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. This time he is coming on. He's written a book about, largely actually, it's not really a memoir, it's really about his Decades-long love affair
0: with aspects of love. And Fee, the book is called Different Aspects. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he could have just chosen so, <laughs> so many titles based on his name. Well, well he hasn't. He? He's just chosen. <laughs> no, I know he
1: could. And wisely, he hasn't. Okay? Yeah. Because he could have called it Ball on Ball. He could. On the ball. New ball. New balls, please. <laughs> <that>? Total balls. <laughs> Yeah okay, right. I think we should introduce Peter Brathwaite because we've got a cab. We've got to
0: get a cab. Oh, gosh. Okay. Well, hang on, just a ticky because my computer's gone off. <sighs> Can I just say that uh, the, the one book that uh, that just stays with me forever uh, is what I loved by Siri Hustvedt. Okay. Um, Uh, So I just chucked that in there too. Uh, Right, this is well worth listening to. Uh, Peter Brathwaite is a renowned UK opera singer and during the lockdowns he found himself with some free time, obviously because he wasn't performing and nobody was able to go and see him on stage. And the Getty Museum was challenging artists to restage famous paintings using household items. So Peter began researching more than 100 works of art featuring black sitters and he recreated them. He as the sitter himself in every work that he explored and recreated, which meant that he took on the persona of everyone from the Queen of Sheba to President Obama with Saint Maurice in between. And this book that he has created from all of those works of art is called Rediscovering Black Portraiture. Uh, there's also a collection of essays about the subject within the book and we spoke to him here at Cheltenham and began by asking him to take us back to those lockdowns where this challenge became his reality.
2: I discovered the challenge on Good Friday. And at that point I'd experienced most of my work for the foreseeable fly away from the, the diary and I was left without much to do. And I was scrolling through seeing lots of girls with pearl earrings and not much else and decided to take on the challenge myself. And I started with an image of a servant in England in the 18th century. He's carrying a lapdog, a tray with a glass of wine, and he's smiling, and I recreated this in my bay window at home. And from that point, I reinterpreted black portraits for the next 50 days, uh, using what I had to hand at home, and um, including some heirlooms, some, some quilts from my grandmother, a cuckoo stick. That's a cooking implement that my grandfather made. It's used to stir the national dish of Barbados and it became uh, a voyage of rediscovery for myself as well as connecting with these unseen figures in black art and and so the two went very well together
0: and can you just tell us a little bit about how your career informed uh, what eventually uh, definitely became the kind of the theme mm. of this work in portraiture yeah because it's about it's about where you've been placed, isn't it? Yes. In the minds of the audience, in the minds of people who you're working with.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I think the, the project is wholly informed by my performance background. I'm an opera singer and I've always negotiated this uh, situation of being usually the, the only singer of colour in, in a choir or in a rehearsal room and and that is that is changing thankfully uh, but that definitely was the inspiration for wanting to explore this and connect with um a side of my heritage that i've Basically, suppressed and pushed to one side because I, I wanted to fit in. I wanted to appear to be normal and not want to talk about the things that. Um, but also,
0: you've been asked to fit into something, haven't you? Yes. I mean, there's, yeah. you know, there are some quite painful anecdotes that you've mm. put in the introduction to the book yeah. about basically sometimes how you've been asked to kind of white up on stage yes. in order to fit in with something <laughs> yeah. that you didn't need <laughs> to fit in with, actually.
2: No, yeah, that was an experience where. I tried something, I, I tried some whiter makeup to create uh, a more uniform stage picture was the... That the term? The, yeah, the term that <laughs> who, came from who above. Who
1: asked you to do that? Uh,
2: that was a director and I, I tried it and then I, I felt really horrible after doing it. And, and so I went home and I, I typed black portraiture into a search engine and saw what, what came up and I was completely shocked to see that I I could find figures who were as high status as the figure I was meant to be playing at the time on stage uh, in history, and I decided to challenge uh, the Chevalier Saint-Georges, Joseph Boulogne, who was a composer, a violinist, uh, a fencer, and uh, a a polymath, and he um, actually was my conduit for reimagining who I was on stage at that point and actually having the, the opportunity to think about myself differently within the context of Western art.
0: Uh, would you like to describe to us, and I know this is such a challenge on radio, mm. but off we go, <laughs> uh, some of the uh, the pictures, uh, the portraits in yep. the book. I know that you've obviously got some favourites that you've marked out. Yes. I've got some favourites I marked out, <laughs> and I don't know whether we're going to manage to meet in the same place. I do love your Queen of Sheba. Uh, thank you. You taught me through the Queen of Sheba. Can I say, I didn't think you were that convincing as the Queen really? of
1: Sheba. <laughs> really? I'm sorry
2: to break it to you. Uh,
1: what about my hips? <laughs> Was that, did you use cream crackers in that one? I don't think, well, no, you've got a, a good mop.
2: There's a a tablecloth in that one that came in in handy Um, and lots of lemons hanging from my (laughs) hips. (laughs) But it was probably the most challenging to take on. And I kept seeing it and it was being suggested and I finally gave in quite late on in 2020. So I'd done lots before then. (laughs) Um, And it it was actually the most enjoyable, one of the most enjoyable to do. And um, I'm referencing the, the fact that the grapefruit was created supposedly in Barbados uh, where my my ancestry lies um, so I'm holding uh, a grapefruit in my hand yeah. in, in instead of the the, the orb um, sheba is holding and uh, it's probably one of the most Funny uh, <laughs> images well, you in,
0: in the book. <laughs> it would only be fair now to let you choose one rather than me Ooh. choose one. What would you
2: choose? Well, I've got my copy of the book open at the Paston Treasure, which is one of my favorites. It's just filled with a whole lot of items that the Paston family of Norfolk brought back from their various travels across the globe. Uh, the 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 most expensive things that they owned. Uh, And I chose to recreate this in my kitchen. Uh, It's the kitchen table and it's flooded with the things that are significant to me um, as a musician, as uh, someone uh, who has black British um, heritage and Caribbean heritage. The the quilt you see at the back um, replacing the, the fabric curtain is, Uh, a quilt that my grandmother made uh, for each, she made one for each of her children, so there are nine of these, and this is the one that my my mum was given. Uh, There's a a Union Jack window blind that's standing in for the pillar that's in the original, and that was uh, found in our house when we moved in. Um, Instruments, uh, the the luggage that my family brought with them when they moved to the UK, iconic black opera singers who were um, talismanic figures at the start of my career when I was studying. I I had these albums. Uh, They were being thrown out by the Royal College of Music Library at the time. And um, I I managed to get a a few of them and stash them in my halls of residence. You've got a
1: Jesse Norman album. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
2: there's Jesse Norman, there's Leontin Price. uh, There's some Schubert there. There are Afro hair products and um, yeah, lots of West African print fabrics as well. And uh, flowers from the garden and um yeah i i don 't have anything as expensive as the the Pastons, but it 's a pretty good representation of of my my past and uh my, my future as well, my present.
0: Yeah. Uh, you also, uh, the, the book is, is beautiful in its portraiture, but you include you. an important essay as well, and an interview, and your introduction. Um, the essay, Feeling in the Dark, by Temi Odemusu. I thought it was absolutely brilliant, because yeah. it, it draws our attention to what's happening mm. when we go looking for things, which we now do through a search engine. Yes. And just the sentence, designed and then sustained by weary, biased humans, they, the algorithms, mm. tend to follow our Flaws, Yes. And this is the whole point, isn't it? What Mm. you're trying to change.
2: Yes. Yeah. And so many of these portraits are still categorized by these offensive terms. And I was actually seeing terms mentioned in my family archive, uh, going through the the family documents and seeing terms like mulatto, the the term for a mixed race person, uh, replicated in the catalogues of museums and how could this be in 2020 or or after that uh, now that still uh, portraits are are categorized in this way and so I was trying to subvert that and use that in my um, physicality in the props that I was drawing together and the conversations that were being had in each portrait Mm.
0: do you feel that it's something that's actually changed you a bit because taking on all of those different people throughout Mm. history and feeling that you're in their world for a
2: moment is Mm. actually
0: quite a it is a weighty thing isn't it
2: it is yeah Uh, and i sometimes feel like i've I've opened a, a can of worms, and they're with me now, and I can't really shake them off. <laughs> they're all around the house, the, and all of the props that I used, I, I see it every day still. And so they're they're in dark corners of of rooms in the, in the house and in the garden, especially against the brick wall. And um, I, I think that that they've become, uh, yeah, friendly ghosts in a way. <laughs>
0: Peter Brathwaite there talking about rediscovering black portraiture and it's just a really, really lovely, I think we'd call it a coffee table book, wouldn't we? Uh, It's a hardback book that you can flick through, but it's fascinating um, when you read little bits and pieces about the portraits that he's recreating. And because he is doing that challenge of using all of these uh, household objects, some of them are just funny. They're just wry and funny. Yeah, he is, uh, he's also an incredibly, he was just a very friendly and
1: interesting man. And I think if there were more, I, mean, I just i just think opera needs to be, I, mean, I don't really understand it. I've marvelled at it, I have been fortunate enough to go to Glyndebourne a couple of times. I think it's beautiful, I think it's absolutely captivating. But you've no idea what's but going on. I don't on. know what's going on, no. No, I, I have no idea what's going on. We need more Peter Brathwaite, I yeah. think. I yeah, I think we do,
0: I think we do. Do you want another couple of questions? Well, yes, okay. Uh, For Jane and Fee, do you get a bit fed up with people carping, Mm -hmm. that you have to provide balance now you're not even at the BBC? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But on the other hand, no, forget it. (laughs) (laughs) Ba-boom! Who is your favourite ever Strictly contestant? That's from Louisa. Gosh. Is that for us or for for Shirley? No, it's for Jane and Fee. Um,
1: Favourite ever Strictly contestant? Gosh. Well, I think... Rose, I think, Rose, who who can't hear. I mean, that was just phenomenal. So I don't think you can really beat that, in all honesty.
0: Well, I thought Ed Balls was just delightful. Oh, for entertainment, that's completely different. Gangnam Style. I mean, I just just really, really loved him. And actually, they played it again recently, didn't they? And uh, I mean, it was actually quite good. Uh, you know, everyone was just kind of carried away with laughing at mm. the time. But yeah. it's amazing that he managed he to do that. He was good. Yeah. And, and that was before he had kind of delved into much more of his showbiz persona. So it still was quite remarkable that that could have been the chancellor of this country. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't it funny, though,
1: <laughs> that there are two obviously two branches of what was originally the same family. You've got the balls.
0: <laughs> You've got the balls. <laughs> it's it is, it's funny, isn't it? Yep. There's a lot of balls in this. Uh, okay. Do you want to go into Dom Jolly, and then we'll do some final questions okay. after that. Okay. So we. I can mean, you get, tell we've got a train to catch.
1: Double <laughs> your money today, because we've got Dom Jolly, um, who actually was he was very good because he made himself available this afternoon. Uh, we did say that Shappy Girl Sandy would be on the programme, uh, but uh, she wasn't able to be. So I hope she feels better soon. But Dom is the creator of, amongst many other things, Tr- Trigger Happy TV. Um, He's also a a highly critically acclaimed travel writer, and I think his latest book is going to be extremely popular. It's certainly timely. It's out in November. It's called The Conspiracy Tourist. And in the new year, Dom is going to go on tour with this. He's going to do a stage show. Now, he will present the first half, but he will give over the second to somebody he describes as a well-known and highly respected conspiracy theorist. He is Dr. Julian Northcote, Butfee, as you will have picked up because you're clever. It is, of course, just Dom again.
0: Oh, I didn't realise that,
1: actually. I didn't oh. pick that up at all. For Pete's sake. This is why I tried to... I thought I'd made it clear.
0: No. OK, but obviously he wouldn't invite a conspiracy theorist onto his stage Well, when you said that in the show when it went out yeah. on air I thought, that's a really good idea because you only have to do half a show and that's very generous of him <laughs> to just hand over his show to somebody else. You are sweet. It's him dressed up. Okay, um, this alleged
1: Dr Julian Northcote uh, is um, somebody who represents... Oh, no, he actually um, believes... This is Julian, who doesn't really exist. He believes that Big Pharma, and that's Pharma with an F, are covering up for cows and some of their more aggressive forms of behaviour. So I asked Dom, who is a real person, keep up at the back, whether it was really true that he, Dom, the real person, had, as he told the Daily Telegraph, spent all the money he'd ever earned. Oh very
3: much so yeah yeah really? I've I've spent I spent about 12 years spending my money and had a lot of fun yes uh, but most of it actually sort of doing what I consider to be fun, which is traveling around the world. And that's, I mean, this is my, the book I'm here for is my fifth travel book. So it, it doesn't come cheap travel writing because you've got to get there and you've got to finance yourself and you're not working while you're doing it. So a lot of it's been spent doing that. So it's sort of technically investing in myself, should we put it that way?
1: Okay, well, yeah. I, I mean, you look well on it. So. Thank you. Uh, mind you, you haven't had much of a journey because you live in Cheltenham.
3: I do, as a travel writer, this is probably the shortest travel I've ever done. I, I'm five minutes walk from here. This is my personal Glastonbury, but yes. like the writers room here is like being VIP backstage at Glastonbury, except it's kind of it's more sedate. It's better for my age.
1: Uh, I am from the northwest of England, and I do. I think Cheltenham by some margin is England's most respectable town. Oh, I don't want to well, live in a well,
3: respectable town. Uh,
1: well, I'm afraid you do. Yeah. Um, there's a total absence of raff.
3: Actually, that's not true. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. it's not true. I can give you some statistics about how it's got the most haves and have-nots in one place. OK, um, so But me. you just don't see them here. Well, I haven't got them to hand, but you don't see them here at the Lit Festival. They're, they're all hanging around if you dare to venture out. But weirdly, I mean, I sort of agree with you. When I grew up, I grew up in Beirut in the middle of a civil war, quite an exciting life. And my granny lived in Cheltenham. And my first memory of really coming to England was coming to my granny's 90th at the Queen's Hotel just down the road. Yep. And honestly, Cheltenham then was God's waiting room. It was just people back from the colonies, hanging around, waiting to go to the great beyond. And uh, it was pouring of rain. I just remember looking around thinking, if I ever live here, I'll kill myself. And And here I am, 55, incredibly happy. Because Cheltenham is now hip, not hip operation. It is very, it's cool, honestly. It's become a digital nomad centre. I promise you, Cheltenham's where it's at.
1: Yeah, well, it's a digital nomad centre, possibly because it is also the home of GCHQ. Well, that
3: helps. My favourite Cheltenham fact is uh, GCHQ do reply to to tweets. I once tweeted them. I was a bit drunk, but I did tweet them. And I said, dear GCHQ, uh, GCHQ, I forgot my, uh, my Mac password. Can you help? And to be fair, they replied. Yeah. <laughs> they said, no, we can't. But they didn't say they didn't have it, which is quite I'm good. i sure
1: they've got it. Yeah, of course Actually, they do. Actually, to be honest, I've got it. Yeah, it. everyone's got it. Um, OK, let's talk about um, the subject of your latest travel book, yeah. because um, you've p- absolutely picked... A gr- it's a fabulous subject for now. It's very zeitgeisty. Terrifyingly. Yeah. Yeah. But can I just ask, it's about conspiracy theories. It's yeah. called The
3: Conspiracy
1: Tourist. Yeah. Now, when uh, where were the conspiracy theories, I don't know, during the dark days of World War Two, for example...
3: Yeah, well, I mean, there have been conspiracy theories, frankly, forever. I mean, if you look at the sort of the Daddy of them all, which is the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, very weirdly, that was nicked from a play written by a man called Maurice Jolly, spelt the same as me, so in a sense...
1: But, but no relation? No relation at all. Okay. But
3: actually, his was a play, and his was a, a sort of satirical play, and that was then, extracts of that were taken and used in that. So, and, and the Spanish flu, for instance, First World War, there, was m- there were masses of conspiracy theories about it being... So conspiracy theories have always been, I think, a thing, mm. and people have always been rightly, suspicious of stuff. I think the way I put it, which is a bit rude, is I think every village has always had an idiot, but now the idiots can all speak to each other, and that's the problem, and they're having conferences, <laughs> and they're online. Oh, yes. And, and, and now the idiots won't even speak to anyone else in the village. They just speak to fellow village idiots, and that's sort of what happens. But the, the terrifying thing about conspiracies is they're not wrong. I mean, the, most of the people I met who are into conspiracies are, are not idiots. They're quite smart people. They're just looking at the wrong targets. I mean, there's no question that uh, governments have conspired to to hide things from people, that the companies have done oh, terrible totally. things. Yep. But it's just they're going for the wrong targets. The idea that, you know, Bill Gates is putting something in our brains so that he can get all the information out of Sharon from Peterborough. It's like, he's not interested, Sharon. He really isn't. I mean, look at the government. They can't even organise a park. You know, HS2, they can't organise parking. The but, idea that this mass conspiracy is there is crazy. But,
1: but you know, you and I are members of, we're of main, the elite. We're, we are members yeah. of the elite. We're mainstream media but sitting I keep here being at the Cheltenham that. Literature Festival. I keep
3: being told that. I keep saying, how much are they paying you? I go, please, someone tell me where to send the invoice. I'm doing this for free today. <laughs> no <laughs> one's paying me for it. I wish they would. OK,
1: so that is that is the intellectual equivalent of trying to nail that jelly to the wall. Yeah. Because you cannot win an argument with people who believe these theories.
3: You can't. And very cleverly keyed up, because that's the first chapter of my book, really. Uh, I was sort of thinking, how do I tackle... Because I spend a lot of time arguing with conspiracy theorists online, just because they irritate me. Because conspiracy theories used to be quite fun. I mean, it depends what you... You, you call a conspiracy theory, but the Loch Ness monster, do we land on the moon? Fairly harmless in a sense. But now they're the body politic. You've got Trump, you've got people like that just absolutely using it. You know, and, and, and even recent political stuff here, people basically saying, well, that's what they want to do. And you go, well, that's not true, but- Tax on meat. Exactly, ta- meat tax at the yeah. meat raffle, you know. But there, there probably has been a tax on meat, So, but there's not gonna be one. But anyway, the point is, it's very difficult to argue it. And so I thought, how do I start? And I, I started my book quite light. And I looked through a list of, of conspiracies, and my favourite one I came up with, that, that, I, that I came across, see, someone will say I came up with it now, mm-hmm. uh, was that Finland didn't exist. I really like that as a concept. Okay,
1: Where did you find that theory?
3: Well, there's, a, there's this woman that wrote this, fa- uh, that, that put this fantastic pyramid of sort of levels of conspiracies, where it starts a bit weird, and then it gets weirder and weirder, and you end up in sort of hideous, anti-Semitic, gibberish so I sort of did one from each level of the pyramid and and the the Finland didn't exist one was along with sort of was Paul McCartney cloned while he was part of the Beatles and things like that but it, it came originally from someone who'd written someone was asked on reddit what were things that parent the parents told them that they didn't know was true or not and someone said that his parents had told him Finland didn't exist and this thing spun off into a sort of it became a, a subreddit and a subreddit and it became enormous and most people I think were taking it as fun but as usual these things 10% of people took it as fact and 10% is enough it's it's plenty enough so unfortunately my wife I do a lot of traveling for my books and I always go on my own because I like to travel on my own and travel writing you have to be on your own and my wife said enough's enough kids have flown the nest I've got to come with you. Where are we going? So I said, Finland. <laughs> and she said, why? And I said, we've got to prove it exists. And I think it'll be the last trip she's coming with me. Right. And she I didn't d- enjoy it. I feel
1: <laughs> immense sympathy for this yeah. lady. I've never met
3: her. No, she's lovely.
1: My heart goes out. Stacy, isn't it? She is, yeah. She's yeah. Canadian.
3: So she's got to be nice. It's in their blood.
1: Yeah, but we don't know whether Canada really exists, do we?
3: It does. I've been there. Because, again, in the book, but I went so to Canada. You say. Well, you Well, that's the problem. Because when I got to Finland, I, I did genuinely do it as a sort of a way of trying... Because it, it is almost impossible to argue with a conspiracy theorist because you're either in on it or you've been paid to do it or, oh, that's your truth. You know, it's, the moment that horrible term, alternative facts, came out, we've lost... We, we've, the world it's is gone. It's all gone, it really is. For you. It's gone. i so. You're Jane, sorry. But
1: it doesn't really matter.
3: But I have listened to you two so much, that's why we, I've got we excited. are we are, are you really? Yeah. I don't think you exist, actually. I think it's uh, both of you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry about that.
1: It's all right. You're not the first... Yeah. Um, uh, Dom. Dim. <laughs> yes. I, was, I was reaching there for a male yeah. comedian's name I could have used for you, which Any would have upset you. Yeah. But I'm, I couldn't think of one, so yeah. that moment has passed. I failed that test. So back to Finland. You're there with yeah. the long-suffering Stacey. And yeah. it is actually fascinating, this. How do you begin to prove that the place where you are currently resident exists?
3: Well, that was kind of the point. I, 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 you look around and there's things that appear to be Finnish, But how do I know finishes a thing, a real thing. I asked, when I first got there, I asked, where am I, to the immigration person, who looked a little confused, sort of told me to ask a policeman. But I said, where am I? And he said, you're in Helsinki. I said, but can I be sure of that? So immediately there's problems there. People think, should we let him in? And then he says, yes, you are, and he put a stamp in my passport. But if you're a conspiracy theorist, you think, well, they're all in on it, aren't they? They're all part of the process. People feel that what we think is Finland are actually actors brought in from Tallinn in Estonia and Sweden now my Scandinavian language knowledge is none anyway so I mean they could have been speaking Swedish I didn't think they were Uh, it's almost impossible and and I knew it was impossible the moment I went I just asked everyone when I went there where are we and then we had these sort of curious arguments and the Finns are quite strange they spend a lot of time in the dark uh, and in the cold they quite enjoyed the sort of philosophical Mm -hmm. I had quite a long discussion with a gentleman in a sauna about whether we were in a Finnish sauna. And he enjoyed it.
1: Well, so you say. Yeah, well,
3: I just, So I say, I mean, this is all <laughs> untrue. I, I, mean, just, he I didn't even go to Finland, that's the joy. Well, okay, I mean, this is yeah. actually
1: now beginning to really mess with my mind. Yeah. Um, so at the, the, I know you're doing a tour, you're going to lots of places, there'll be people in the audience. Yeah. But The people in the audience, Dom, will be like you and me. I, don't I think, hope not. Well, I wonder, Will, if you're a fully paid up member of yes. the I Believe in a Conspiracy Yeah. yeah brigade, yeah, yeah. They're not going to go anywhere near your show.
3: Well, you would if you wanted to heckle, but I, I hope they come. And anyway, in, in the interest of fairness, when my tour starts, thank you for promoting it, February, March, uh, and it's called The Conspiracy Tour, rather than Tourist. But in it, uh, for the balance of fairness, uh, for, for the interest of fairness, I am doing the first half. But the second half will be done by one of Britain's foremost conspiracy theorists. I don't know if you're familiar with him, Dr Julian Northcote, who wrote the book Cows, Britain's Secret Killers. Are you familiar with him? Uh, tell me more. Well, I mean, he's just, he's a leading conspiracy. He's not been taken very seriously. He lives in Sarencester. He wrote this book about Is this
1: about how the day the cows will turn?
3: Well, it, it, they already have turned. Can I just say, this is what happens, because we were just talking about Dr. Julian Northcote and his research yeah. into cows being Britain's secret killers. Yeah. And what happens? The line goes down. Line went down now, that, down. that is not a coincidence. That oh. really isn't. Big farmer have got their, uh, their paws everywhere.
1: I started off this interview from one position, yeah. and I, I find myself moving uneasily towards another. I this is the impact you have on people, Don Jolly. I just,
3: I just think you need to be, you need to be open-minded. Hmm. You know, you need to not, not close your mind to all this stuff because a lot of it's going on and we just don't know. I certainly don't know anything.
1: Um, but as we speak, actually, and, and veering now slightly nervously into really important and serious territory, you, yeah, you grew up in the Lebanon. I did. Um, the news is just dreadful. It's appalling. Yeah, I, I don't think it matters you know, where your sympathies lie. I think we can all just acknowledge that this is just terrible with potentially devastating consequences for millions of people. Um, this is the problem with conspiracy theories. We can laugh about them. We can worry about the people who are vulnerable to them, but there are far too many real-life consequences. Oh, 100%. And,
3: and and again, just what's with what's happening in Israel and, and, and the terrible uh, events in Israel, that there's i grew up in lebanon obviously in the middle of a civil war there was always there's a very arab belief in the hidden hand Mm -hmm. of sort of the and nothing happens without a reason and that somebody you know america china the the muppets are responsible for whatever's going on and and that's a really strong belief uh, in the middle east in the middle east no one believes anything happens just by chance that stuff happens Mm -hmm. and stuff just does happen now this was more than stuff this was clearly planned and presumably promoted by iran and stuff and that's you know that that was, I suppose, a conspiracy, although not a very hidden conspiracy. No. But yeah, I mean, my worry, particularly at the Middle East uh, at the moment, is is from a selfish point of view, is that it looks like Hezbollah are now having a go, which means that Lebanon gets in the firing line. So
1: they are the uh, the group based in Lebanon. Yeah, yeah. yeah I
3: mean, you, you've got you sort of have one for each thing. So you have the, the sort of the PLO in the West Bank, and then you have Hamas in in the Gaza Strip, and Hezbollah is in the south, particularly in the south of Lebanon. And they've been. I think Hamas's aim was to get everyone involved. I'm hoping Hezbollah will hold back, but there are are signs that things are happening on the border, so that's a particular concern to me, selfishly.
0: Dom Jolly, and his book comes out in November. So, can I just get this straight, Jane? Is is the notion that some people don't believe Finland exists actually a joke as well? no. No, that's for for real. There are some people
1: around who don't believe that Finland is a real place. But, as he points out, you go there and you try to prove that you're in Finland. No one believes you. It's actually impossible. Because you go up to someone and say, where are we? And they go, well, you're in Helsinki, but where are we really? Well, um, Helsinki is the capital of Mm. Finland. I mean, it is actually, it's one of a number of questions that truly cannot be satisfactorily answered. If you have a mind to challenge absolutely everything.
0: Yes, but I would also argue um, that nobody who's really sane and rooted in normality should have the time in their day to consider whether or not Finland exists. I mean, if you ever stood in your kitchen and <laughs> just suddenly thought, oh. I wonder whether Finland is actually there.
1: Uh, I haven't, no, no. But as you know, um, you're very busy. I'm, I'm incredibly busy, and uh, I mean, I've often got a committee committee meeting at the Flat Earth Society to go to. So, you know, I, I don't have a lot of time. No spare time at all. No, I know. I
0: uh, do you have a personal vision for the future? If so, what is it? <laughs> that's, that's my final question, uh, via somebody who's visited the Times Radio Tent. Um,
1: personal vision of the future. At the moment, I'm very much focused on getting into the taxi, getting on train and enjoying my wrap, which I had the good sense to buy yeah, in advance. Right. Look through the questions
0: and find one to ask from there. That's from lovely other people who've bothered to do something, Jay. And you'll get to your wrap in just a minute. What's moment. your
1: favourite flavour of ice cream? Oh, uh, mint chocolate chip. That's the same one as this person here.
0: Oh, spooky.
1: When many of the major issues of our time are so well-known Fee. Why do we collectively seem so incapable of actually doing anything about them? Come on, 10 seconds. That's a bit existential. Oh, you can do it. Come on, the University of Kent at Canterbury, its reputation rests upon your answer here.
0: You're a very mean woman, aren't you? Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, well, it's just, uh, it's groupthink, isn't it? I just wish we could all just get on. Yeah, that would be
1: nice. But it's not going to happen anytime soon.
0: No. Well,
1: Cheltenham, thank you. You've been good to us. And um, we are back in our normal location tomorrow with the guests they all wanted. But we got Times Radio's top DJ...
0: What is his name? Matt Chorley. Matt Chorley is with us tomorrow. But tomorrow I'm going to call him Matthew all the way through. (laughs) None of this Matt, none of this chumocracy going down. No. It'll be Matthew Chorley and he'll answer our questions. I'll tell you what I would do as a future vision for the world, Jane. I'll try and make everybody just spend five minutes a day properly imagining what somebody else's life is like so you mm. can't think about yourself for five minutes in the day you can pick anybody else you like but you've properly got to think about what their life might be like
1: and about the impact you might have on them if you ever meet no no
0: because it's not you oh it's not no it's not, not you no, not just me. you have to properly think what somebody else
1: i just also just want to honor the fact and it's not linked that you go to a hotel i had the full english breakfast and the, my baked beans were in a ramekin and I just think that's something I'd never do at home. But I do appreciate that little bit of, that. just touch a class. Oh, it's not going to so, work, kids, is so it? So the beans are contained. It's not working. And they don't touch other parts it's of the breakfast. Working. Unless you want them to. Okay. Okay, right. Thank you very much for listening. Jane and Fee at Times.Radio. We're back tomorrow in the company of Matthew Chorley, and we're very much looking forward to it. Um, thank you for joining us
0: at this event. <laughs> 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 I have to confess that this morning I was woken up uh, by the smell of rising egg in the hotel. <laughs> Do okay. You know what I mean?
1: Okay, uh, bye everybody. <laughs>
0: Money, a bank.
1: I know, ladies lady. A lady do listener. You. I'm just sorry. <laughs>